It's the Auburn Observer Podcast. Justin Ferguson here, Painter Sharpless over there. Painter, uh, we have a lot to talk about uh, in this one. And it's probably just going to be a basketball-only episode. Not really a whole lot happened this weekend in the world of football. We might touch on a couple things at the end. But uh, we've got a lot to talk about because Auburn had a, had a lot to, to do uh, Saturday at South Carolina, 109 points. Uh, did you did you think that this team was going to hit that mark in a game this season? No. So, 109, like, they, they had, you know, they had, what was it, like, 94, 90 early, you know, the, the, the first couple of Sharif games, and they were turning the ball over a lot in those games. So, I thought, like, okay, at some point they're going to hit, they're going to hit 100. It's just going to be a matter of, who they catch uh, this season. You know, I didn't think that it was going to be South Carolina because, you know, traditionally the Frank Martin defense is going to be built to cause you a lot of problems. And the other thing is this was the first time Bruce Pearl and his team had beaten Auburn in South Carolina since he got there. I mean, the last time Auburn beat South Carolina in South Carolina. It was the end of Tony Barbie's last winning streak at Auburn. Like that's how far back this good thing times. goes. Oh yeah, good times, good times. And he ended up beating South Carolina again at home that season. Wow, uh, it's so, not enough credit in that category. Uh, he, he had he had the Gamecocks number. You know, we we don't know about anything else, but he he definitely could <laughs> beat South Carolina in that one season. Um, but no, this uh, this Auburn team. I mean. Might might be the best offensive performance I've ever seen from Auburn, like a complete game in the, in that aspect. 109 points on a Frank Martin defense. And, of course, you know, South Carolina has had a lot of COVID issues. They were only playing in their eighth game yesterday. And Auburn's played twice as many games as them this year. That's just kind of how college basketball has been this year. Um, but, I mean, this was front to back just a demolition job by Auburn. And I, it, I, to me, it seemed like this is the pinnacle of what Auburn basketball, what this team can be like. You know, they, they, they I think they took their, their ceiling and they just jammed their heads right through it in this game because it was, it was really, really impressive to see what they did. Uh, and it speaks for itself, 109 points. Most points ever scored by Auburn on the road in an SEC game, six most in a game all time. In SEC play, and uh, the first time they had scored more than 100 points in an SEC game since 1999, uh, and uh, I don't, I don't know, uh, you know, we've got people from differing ages and different, different backgrounds listening to this, but uh, that 1999 team was uh, pretty good. Uh, so it, it's been a while since Auburn's been able to do this to a team in their own conference. It shows their potential, especially against outmatched teams. I think it gives you a glimpse into what it could also be if the team is able to put this together in year two of Sharif with JT Thor and, of course, Jabari. Well, I mean, let's start with Sharif Cooper because, honestly, guys, we've talked about it before. If he keeps playing like this, I don't think he'll be here next year. Like, this man is playing – some of the best basketball in the country through five games. You know, if he had, had a full season, it would have been very interesting to see what, you know, he could do with his with honors and stuff like that because he is, um, you know, because Auburn is not playing for the postseason this year. But, I mean, Sharif Cooper in the first half <laughs> against South Carolina, the first half, 10 points, 11 assists, five rebounds, two blocks, and he had just one Turnover. I tweeted this yesterday. Since 2010, only 28 players in Division One basketball have ever had that kind of line for a game. 10, 11, 5, and 2. He did it in the first half of his fifth game. He's instant offense. And his vision, we've, we've talked about it before, his vision is unreal. Like, that part of the, his game is so far ahead of most not only freshmen, but most college basketball point guards. And the big one is that no look, it was a no look almost like from half court throw down the floor for, for an easy, for an easy dunk. Just, I mean, 
it's a special, special thing to watch him play in that aspect. Now, shot creation, um, you know, a lot of his shots starting to come together a, l- a little bit more, driving to the basket, you know, ball handling, all that. all that stuff he does really, really well. But that vision in passing, that, like, guys, this is rare. This is rare to see a guy, a guy be able to pass like that, especially at his age. And, I mean, he showcased it in the, in the first 11 assists in one half. I mean, that's a he, that line I just read off, that's a really good game for a point guard. And he did it in the first half. He's a prophet. The, okay, so the prophet thing, the prophet thing is, are we going to start? Is that going to start catching on? Because I don't know, you were tagged in it, so I'm sure you saw it. But uh, our our friend on Twitter, who goes by Pablo Escobarner, uh, put it in the <laughs> South Carolina replies. In the they're like, hey, final score, we lost. <laughs> <laughs> and so we got a shout out. And I don't know that that's you mostly, right? Like you, you came up with the profit. Like, I don't know. How, I mean, I don't know how I got tagged. I mean, I guess I got tagged in that because I was on, but that's all you. Um, uh, well, we so. just need, uh, we need the people to take it out there. That's yeah. really, it's up to them now what they do with it. But I mean, Sharif Cooper, this was a, this was a phenomenal game for him. He played better on the defensive end, which was, which was a big key in this one. But I mean, just straight up having that first half was, phenomenal for him and if he keeps playing like this guys I I don't know if he will be back next season and I know that's not what a lot of Auburn fans want to hear I it would make a lot of sense for the NBA to look at him as a lottery pick or a a higher up pick you know after this season if he keeps this up for for you know a whole year because we talked about it before the NBA's big on upside you know a guy like Isaac Okoro could have come back and gotten better but the fact that he's his age, like NBA teams will look at that as like, oh, you've got a lot more room to grow, and we can be the ones to help develop that. They like that kind of stuff, right? It's why you see guys try to come out of high school, you know, go play in Australia or go play in this G League thing, like because they want, you know, they want to get in as quickly as possible. And we'll see what with Sharif Cooper, you know. Either way would not be surprising to me at all, but like the way he's playing is just absurd basketball at this moment. He is shoot, he is scoring twenty one point two points a game, nine assists a game, and if you go and look on Ken Palm at his at like the top player comparisons, which is kind of like a little bit of age, but mostly here's where the stats kind of reflect how he's playing, um, how the advanced stats kind of line up. Two of like the top five player comparisons for him right now are Ja Morant's sophomore season mm-hmm. when he was All American and Trey Young. Mm. And these guys are were two two of the best college point guards of the last few years. They did it. They did it all. They scored. Um, and a lot of people know. A lot of people always thought of Trey Young as 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 a scorer, but like you got to imagine this dude has the assist record in a game in, in D one basketball. Like these guys created for their teammates and had high usage rates, um, and that's 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 what you're getting right now. That's what that's exactly what you're getting right now out of, Sh- out of Sharif Cooper. And I mean, if he put if like he was eligible all season, or if he was eligible for all the SEC season, be honest with you guys, like he would have a shot to be SEC Player of the Year right now. That's how good he's playing. Well, I'm glad there was clarity on why they held him out for half a season. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's important. It's important to be fair to everyone, especially if you're the NCAA. Um, Interesting it, phenomenon you brought up about the posting of losses on social media. That's mm-hmm. a sort of a the role of that job. I wouldn't enjoy all that. No, much. no. Oh well, I guess uh, I guess someone has to do it. Well, it's like the, it's like the other thing is like if you're back if, at it. Yeah. <laughs> So that's all right. Uh, t- time to time to not look at the mentions. Um, I guess that's the thing. If like you're in a if you're in like a team account, it's like a, your job's technically not to respond to people. So it's like, why do you really want to see what people are re- replying with you? But yeah, uh, Sharif Cooper. By the way, second half, quiet second half for him. He only had five more points and an assist. Bruce Pearl said after the game that uh, Cooper was uh, annoyed that he only had one assist in the second half, saying that uh, some of his teammates should have been hitting those shots that he was setting them up for. Uh, but it really didn't <laughs> matter because in the second half of this game, 
Auburn got a lot out of a lot of dudes. And the funny thing about this game, the funny thing about this game for Auburn is that Sharif Cooper put up that ridiculous – by the way, he was plus 32 in the game <laughs> they won by 23. Um, all that to say, arguably, he was the third best player on the floor for Auburn on Saturday because Alan Flanagan and Jalen Williams put up some great games. And this is this was why this was significant, I, I thought. These guys played well together and played well offensively together. That hasn't happened a ton this season. But look, if Sharif Cooper's doing Sharif Cooper things and Alan Flanagan and Jalen Williams are both playing really good offense together, this team is going to mess up some people's lives down the stretch of SEC play. I think most games are winnable, as evidenced by Auburn's near win against Alabama. The yeah. only team to yeah. really play that team close at this point in conference play. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great point. Alan so Flan- it's like kind of a weird thing to measure yourself against in a loss, but I think that they're definitely the best team in the league. Alan Flanagan, twenty four points, six boards, uh, four assists. Parent, okay. this is where this this gets really crazy. Alan Flanagan was four of six from from three point range and a perfect six of six from the three uh, from the from the free throw line. I will keep saying this uh, because I think everybody needs to remind themselves of this all throughout the year. Um, Last season, Alan Flanagan, the man who shot 67% from deep yesterday and 100% from the free throw line in a road game in a place where Auburn has not won in a while, last season he shot 45% from from the free throw line and 14% from deep. The amount of improvement he has shown, he is is currently shooting 25% better from three-point range this season and uh, let's see, that's 34% better from the free throw line. His improvement on the offensive side this year has been phenomenal. And he's another guy that people are talking about more as an NBA player, potentially. And this was a dude who defensively he had everything that you wanted. Rebounding-wise, he was always that good in his freshman season. This offseason, he turned from a guy who can be a number one option and nobody blinks at it. The fact that he... like. The one thing that, that that Alan Flanagan does this season that has just really been a delight for me to watch personally is that this dude is fearless on offense now. He will take the ball and hit and, and hit pull up jumpers from anywhere on the floor, um, and he just has the confidence to go up and do it. And last season, he was a dude that kind of got shell shocked by how much he was missing shots from the free throw line and from three point range specifically. Now it's like. Alan Flanagan scores a career-high 24 on the road. Goes 4-6 from deep, perfect from the free throw line, like I said. And it's not a surprise anymore. It's not a surprise. This dude's just good. I'm with you. Nothing else to add there. I think for the most part, he's probably been pretty reliably your second-best player all season. Yeah, and then and then you have Jalen Williams, who up and down offensively this season, but as people who you know read – um, the observations or listen to us on the podcast, like Jalen Williams is usually one of Auburn's best players in plus minus. He does so many different things really, really well as a six eight center who can who can move around uh, uh, really well and, and fights hard on the boards. This was his best game of the season, probably on the whole in terms of efficiency. He scores eighteen. He was eight of twelve uh, on uh, on offense uh, from the field. Uh, had seven boards. He, he was two or three from downtown. He played really, really well in this game. Uh, if you look at some of the advanced numbers, when he was on the floor, Auburn was at its best on both ends of the floor. He played super well. I know Bruce Pearl had been challenging him this recently, really after the the, the Arkansas game, because in the Arkansas game we had talked about it, Sharif Cooper gets trapped up top. The pressure gets on him. They're playing physical defense on the, the what they also did against Kentucky on him they forced to get the ball out of his hands. And it's like, all right, well, if you trap him or if you're doing these things, it makes it easier for Auburn's other four guys to score, but they just weren't doing it. They weren't aggressive enough on offense. They were missing shots. They were turning the ball over. This game, they just unlocked that and just said, all right, we can we can beat you. We can, we, we can beat you. And Jalen Williams is the perfect example of that because this is a guy who had not been – a super consistent scorer this season, a, a good basketball player, that's a super consistent scorer, um, and he really just put it all together. And after the game, 
both Bruce Pearl and Jalen Williams mention the scout for this game, the 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 scouting report they got, the game plan they got from their assistant coaches. Pearl was very very uh, complimentary of his assistant coaches. Um, in this one, Ira Bowen and Mike Burgermaster were the were the two um, who had the who had the scout in this game that helped out with this one. And Jalen Williams is like they couldn't stay in front of us. Because the South Carolina defense, you normally see it under Frank Martin. They love to extend. They love to, you know, really get out and get up, like, uptight, close and personal, cut out passing lanes, do that stuff. It's a very pressure-heavy defense in the half court. They play tight on their on their, on their their guys. One thing about playing tight and extending like that, they can, tur- they can cause a lot of turnovers. They can get in passing lanes, and, and, and that's what they want to do. They want to cause as many turnovers and frustrate them because offensively, Fred Martin teams usually aren't the best as on a whole, and they've had their struggles this season. But they want to create off of turnovers. They want to they want to create some havoc without necessarily being a team that presses a lot because they're big usually and they rebound well. Um, this game, they sh- Auburn came in saying, "Hey, we know in this game that we're going to have to dribble a decent bit. And we're going to have to get downhill. Alan Flanagan's going to have to drive. Cooper's going to drive when he's got the opportunities. Joe Williams is going to have to drive. These guys are going to have to put the ball on the floor." And get to the rim. And once you get at the rim, you either got to finish through contact because South Carolina is going to challenge you there, or you got to kick out, kick out for threes um, and, and move the ball around. And so, less passes in this game than normal, I would say on the whole. But they did less with more because there were so many assists in this game. Not just from Sharif Cooper. Auburn had 21 assists in uh, on 40 made baskets in this game. They were 14 of 27 from deep. This team has not been a particularly great three-point shooting team in terms of efficiency. They get the ball in the air a lot. They shot super well from deep in this game because they were getting open looks. They were making the extra pass when they had the opportunities, and guys were shooting with confidence. And Jalen Williams said it after the game. They can't. They couldn't stay in front of Auburn. Like they knew on the scout um, what play. They had to tweak some of their sets and they had to do some things differently. They knew in this game. He said it. He. You know, Jalen Williams said it straight up. We had to know which guys were having a hard time moving their feet. We had to know which guys that we felt like we could beat in one-on-one matchups. And they did. And they did. And they, the preparation for this game was excellent from the coaching staff and the players themselves. They seemed locked into the game plan early. And they really, really took South Carolina to task. And then execution-wise, it was really, really good. They went seven minutes without turning the ball over. Did everyone get mad at me for tweeting that? Yes, but I... It was still a true statement. Um, they they had their lowest turnover percentage in an SEC game this year, their second lowest all season. Execution-wise, this is I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better game on the offensive end from Auburn. When available, you can generally count on big boy minutes and productivity from Sharif, Allen, and Powell. When you start getting the levels of productivity you're getting – some nights, anyways, from Williams or Cambridge, and mix that in. Mm-hmm. Thor, exactly. The team does become nearly unbeatable. Now they haven't been able to do that in a lot of games, but this is a good example of what happens when they do. And they're not perfect. Like there was a stretch where they were like turning the ball over a little bit more defensively in the second half. They had, they gave up they gave up some latest, you know. Pearl wasn't super pleased with their defense, but they scored 109 points. Like, once you, if you can score like that well, it's like you don't have to be Virginia on defense to to to, to play. It's like if you're scoring that much on offense, you can just kind of ride with it. Yeah, it gave me similar vibes, although not quite as strong this time. In the second half of the Georgia game, when Auburn was coasting, it felt like both teams went into scrimmage mode, and they've been through so much this season with yeah, COVID. It's been a been a not fun year, I think pretty fair to say for, for those kids. Yeah, and, and like, you know, you kind of feel for it. Like, in this game, I mean, South Carolina had two guys score 20 points, and they still got whipped in this one. Uh, A.J. Lawson, A.J. Lawson went six of eight from deep in, like, one of the quietest sharpshooting performances I've ever seen. Um, So, I mean, Auburn could have gotten a lot better defensively in this game, but, like, they were, they were playing at high speed. Uh, they averaged almost a – point and a half per possession in the first half. They were playing so, so well on offense that you can live with some of the the, the defensive issues. Um, but you got to play like this offensively. And it's like, this is what this team is capable of. 
South Carolina, not the best defense right now this season, but you got to take advantage of it. There's going to be teams like that down the road that they play where they're going to be able to take advantage of it. Uh, JT Thor, not the not you know didn't light it up in the first half, had a great second half, and he finishes 14 and seven. You know, uh, Devin Cambridge scores 10 points in 18 minutes off the bench. Played really, really well in that aspect. Uh, Chris Moore and Javon Franklin played well off the bench again. Dylan Carwell was four of seven, you know, after a game where he, he kind of struggled against Ar- against Arkansas. He played well off the bench. Like, everybody kind of came in and, and, and did work in this one. Um, you know, Jamal Johnson, not a particularly good shooting performance from him, but he played great defense when he was on the floor. And so you just kind of have to give that from everybody. Stretch came in and uh, – and, and delivered in some limited minutes. And then, uh, and then of course, shout out Lior Berman, who is the living embodiment of shooter shoot, which I, <laughs> I particularly love. He comes out onto the floor. Um, you know, he catches, he gets a catch and shoot three defender is playing it really well, swats it away. Next possession. What does he do from even further back? He pulls, Nails it, he hits another one down the stretch. Leo Berman, like, he's a dude that, you know, Pearl keeps saying, like, physically has what it takes to play in the SEC. Like, you know, he's not a – he's not your typical walk-on in that in that, in that that fashion. So, anyway, this is a uh, – this is a particularly just impressive box score to read. I mean, they scored 50 points in both halves, 109. They – this this Auburn team really really just took it to uh, South Carolina, and it's a game like that. Like, I mean, efficiency wise, that you couldn't ask for 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 a better game on the offense, and it was it was about as nearly perfect of a game as you can get on that end of the floor for a college basketball team. And I think you said it like that, Painter. It shows just kind of how good this team can be when everybody's clicking. If you're getting productivity out of guys like Cambridge and Williams the way that they're capable of consistently the team. I mean, they're, they're really deep at that point. And then you add perhaps Thor into that mixture of guys next season where you can pretty much count on them every game. Mm-hmm. And it's like they're gonna well, and, get they're gonna carry your team. I and, think he I think he joins that group next and, season. And like I said, and like I said, he didn't have a good shooting performance. But like we know, Jamal Johnson can get hot at any moment, and we know Jamal Johnson's a much improved defender. Like so, that's another one. That's another weapon. You brought up Justin Powell earlier. I did want to mention this. Justin Powell um, continues to be out, and from what Bruce Pearl said on Friday, it's like really, really going through it. We talked about it on the premium podcast. I'm not going to rehash, you know, all of that again. But like, it's kind of it, it, it's kind of worrying. I think for a lot of Auburn fans to be like, man, this guy's out for a while, and it's a concussion, and everybody reacts to him differently. But like, it's you know, Pearl said it on Friday. They don't even see him unless it's COVID testing. Like that's how bad that's how down bad he is from this concussion. Um, but they still think there's he's making progress and they can see him back soon. Again, I mean, like you put a guy like him out there on the floor on Saturday, you're just stretching the floor a little bit better. Now, I think people have to keep in mind the Justin Powell that they are thinking about in this game, or, you know, from, you know, it's like, oh, he, you know, he, all the points he scored early on this year, he did a lot of that against now in non conference play. He was, you know, before he got hurt in SEC play, he was kind of struggling a little bit in those in those first couple of games with his shot. But if he comes back in and gets to be more of a of a catch and shoot kind of guy playing with playing with Troop, but we we've seen how a dude like Devin Cambridge has has been excellent. You know, coming off the bench, but playing with a guy like like uh, like Cooper, um, you know. But that, that's the thing. Auburn was Auburn scored 109 points yesterday, shot 14 of 27 from deep. Right, and didn't have arguably their best three point shooter out there. This team could get even better, and that is just—I mean, that—that's—that's that's just a wild thought to think about. Need Sharif in the mix, you know. I just hope that he comes back next year. But I understand yeah. it, baby. I understand if he gets the opportunity. We'll see where that draft stock goes. But ooh, lord, he's playing real well right now. Yeah, that's the interesting thing about this draft class because, I mean, there are some really, really good point guards in this class. This this class coming up next is a little bit more taller. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he wh- how he feels because 
you know, you get your money when you can. The upside's the upside, right? But, like, if he came back and played a full season like this, you could see his stock raising even more. Does he want to play with a guy like Jabari Smith? Does he want to play with a guy like Trey Alexander? Does he want to get a full season with these guys that he helped bring into Auburn? That's the that's the big question. Um, and I don't know. And I don't think he's going to know that answer. Um, but I do know one thing. If he gets if he gets advice or he gets the, you know, kind of um guys yeah, like, hey, this is where you're probably gonna go in the draft, and it's pretty high. Bruce Pearl and that staff's gonna be like, all right, go. Like they know like you gotta make the best decision for your future. But, you know, I, I think I think some I think some Auburn fans picked up on the fact that uh he talked about after the Arkansas game, this is still early in our in our journey together. Um, you know, and 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 I think there's a lot there's a lot of potential there. And I think there I think it goes back to the point, Painter, that, you know, during him sitting out, all that time he missed, right? I mean, as soon as you gotta remember, as soon as it was revealed that he was not eligible at the moment for the start of the season, um, like ESPN immediately said, you know, he's thinking about going and playing overseas. And this man sat out a month and a half or, you know, a little, like, yeah, yeah, a month and a half, close to two months, and he didn't leave, and he could have left. And so that says something, right? Like, he wanted to be here. He wanted to be at Auburn. He wanted to be playing with this team. Now, how much of that depends, how much that sways him to come back in 2021, 2022 remains to be seen. But I do think it is obvious that we are not dealing with a typical highly touted basketball player and recruit. It's like, this guy is different. And I wouldn't be surprised if he decided to come back next year and said, Hey, let's get a full season of this. Let's compete for a championship. And he, he'll have a chance to be one of the best point guards in America next season. If he keeps playing like this. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't have said it better. He's been dominant. I mean, I mean, I'd selfishly hope he comes back. I understand if he gets the grade and it's like, yeah, you're a lottery pick, dude. And it's like, all right, <laughs> please, well. please, please, please go play basketball for money. Like, yeah, yeah. I, sorry. Like that sucks for us. And again, that's for him. And that only gets better for Auburn, right? Yeah. I mean, again, it is, it was, it's like, oh, again, you've had another lottery pick. And, you know, I mean, between Chuma I, and Isaac, it's like starting to just become a thing where Auburn puts a guy in the draft early. Yeah. In the, in the top half of the draft, you know, they could do it for a third straight year. And it would be another example of like, hey, Chumo Kiki was not supposed to be a first-round draft pick, and we got him there in two mm-hmm. years. Isaac Okoro was not supposed to be a first-round draft pick, a one-and-done talent. We got him top, top five after one year. Hey, Sharif Cooper, people thought he was a little too small to be a one-and-done guy. Well, look, even through all the stuff he dealt with, look how good he was. Look what he did in his system. In this system, he could be a lottery pick. And it just feeds and feeds and feeds. Somebody asked me in the mailbag this week, what happens if Sharif Cooper leaves? All right. If Sharif Cooper leaves, you know, Auburn will have to get another point guard. But here, here's the thing. Any graduate transfer point guard in America is going to look at Auburn as a top destination because it's like, look at what you get, get to play with next season. Like, look at Jabari Smith coming in. Look at JT Thor. Look at all these weapons uh, that you're going to play with. Look at Bruce Pearl's. You know, Bruce Pearl said it because – one thing you do in this business is that you always recruit. You always, always, always recruit. And Bruce Pearl on Friday got that out. I got that out there because they had a quote where he said, where he was saying, um, I like to think we're carving out a little uh, niche at Auburn for fast, small, quick point guards, whether it be Taj Shamsuddin my first year or Jared Harper or Javon McCormick. And now Sharif Cooper, and then somebody in the years to come. <laughs> it's amazing. By the way, uh, somebody in the years to come, 2022 class, uh, Scoot Henderson. Scoot, Scoot. Uh, Auburn is said to potentially be leading for him. There's your point guard of the future, more yes. more than likely. He fits that role a lot as well. Um, so if, you know, Scoot's a guy that comes in in 2022, you never know about reclassifying or whatever if people if people think that – that's an option. Um, it's one of those things where if he comes in, 
2022 and you need a point guard for a year if Sharif leaves, it's just like, hey, get a mercenary. Get a one, get one and say, hey, do you want to play with one of the most talented teams in the country? Do you want to play in a system that has made point guards thrive? Do you want to compete for a championship? Come on down. Like that's, I think that's that that's one of those things where Auburn will be, Auburn will be a very very good recruiting destination for an experienced point guard if Sharif Cooper leaves. Now, if he comes back, congratulations, Auburn. You're going to be really really good next season, um, and you're going to be really really good right now as well. Um, I just, I, it, it was a really really fun game of basketball. Um, the only thing. I don't know. I don't know how you. I don't know how you watch this, Painter. Um, people who follow me and and on Twitter know that I am a big believer in watching games on mute. Um, <laughs> I did not get the feeling that the Auburn fans watching the game were enjoying the broadcast yesterday. It wasn't the best. Here's my take on that. It's hard to do good play by play in color. I've said that before. It is a tough job to do well. However, a lot of talk about some stuff that, like, all right, you know, I mean, I get it. Alabama's having a nice season. It's relevant to bring them up as you talk sort of about the conference at large. But the amount of focus, it seemed, uh, was a little bit extreme on on Alabama. Whatever. I'll be less nice. The Jimmy Dykes-Connor McGregor thing, like, I was watching it on (laughs) mute. I was bewildered. At like what was happening, I was like, "Why? What?" And like they missed a little bit of action to keep replaying it. Right? It was so weird, and it was really, really funny to me. It was really funny in general, but it was really, really funny to me. It was like, "Hey, we've got this UFC pay per view coming up tonight. It's big. Conor McGregor's back. Look, Jimmy Dykes for some reason is dressed like him. I don't know why <laughs> he's walking through his his house. This is weird, but they kept showing it over and over again. And McGregor got folded up in the second round last night." Like that was amazing, um, you know. Because like, it, that's the thing. There is like ESPN. No, they're just shamelessly cross promoting, which we've all become, you know, accustomed to. But who but- is going to watch it more? Because it's like, oh, that's that's a good promotion for the for the event. And it's like, number one, it's amazing that like you know ESPN has to push. It's like it's Conor McGregor because I know he's one of the most popular athletes in the world. But it's funny to me when a dude like that just gets just gets wrecked. Um, number two. It was like this adds nothing to anything that they like. There were times they cut away from it while like the ball was being bounced. Like, and we talk about sometimes like they would cut to like a shot of you know Beth Moens and, and Jimmy Dykes like sitting there in their where respective wherever is talking. And it's like and the ball is in play, and it's like who in the world thought that? And we see this at the CBS games all the time in football. It's like. Let's show the announcers. It's our traditional second quarter, you know, show the announcers thing. It's like, guys, like nobody was, nobody's here to watch you. You know, you're just the vehicle for talking about the game. So it's not in dead silence. Like, I don't get it. I don't get how much of like ESPN and these, and these, and these broadcasters, they want to be a part of the product. And I'm just, it's, not inter- I didn't no. show up for the commentators. And we've said this before, and it's not an original thought by any means, but you can tell the difference in a handful of broadcasters because they're just so much better than everyone else. And, you know, right. whatever. Like, I, I understand there's only like Bill, a handful like, of those people that are out there. We, we talk about it before, but, like, Bill Raftery has his gimmicks, Colin Collins basketball, but everybody loves Bill, <laughs> but everybody loves Bill Raftery. Because he talks about the game. He talks about the game that's happening in front of him, and he does it at a really, really high level. And I don't know if it's because these guys are doing it remotely, but there's so much this year of just let's talk about literally anything else. And it's the thing that bugs me a ton in college football season where you'll be, like, watching a Sunbelt game on Tuesday night, and they'll be like, well, let's talk about the playoff rankings. And it's like, I no, no, I'm watching this to get away from that. Like, Like, please, let's just – Enjoy what we're what we've got in front well, of us. It does us right feel now. like you're always being sold something, right? If right. it's not the McGregor fight, it's the upcoming playoff. If it's not this college game, it's a different one next week. And fine, the machine has to keep rolling. But for goodness sake, you know, I, I would like to hear a little bit about the team on the court. Whatever. Right. It's right. uh it's frustrating, but I think I don't think it's gonna change. Yeah. 
Well, I just keep coming back to this. I keep coming back to this in my, in my head every time every time we, we, we watch it. I remember a few years ago when Arkansas decided to hire a guy who had never coached women's basketball before to be their head women's basketball coach because he was from the state and he played there and he was like still in the area and his 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 entire coaching career he hadn't coached in he hadn't coached in more than 20 years and even then the highest he ever got was an assistant coach in the NBA he had never been a head coach anywhere he had never coached women's basketball uh collegiately and they gave him the head coaching job there and i was just wondering why does why does this keep happening and then jimmy dykes just gets to jump right back into to espn <laughs> again i don't understand how some people can just Oh well, do you have to be? Do you have to be particularly good at what you're doing? No, here, here's money right. to do this. Well, there's right. also this creation of lazy narratives, and I understand Auburn is very much new money, but they've won what 25 games three years in a row. They're the only team. To, they're the only team in the SEC who has beaten Kentucky the last four years. So the way that Auburn is being covered is still like that of the first two or three years of Bruce Pearl, a team that had done nothing significant and was building. Well, now Auburn is consistently good, but you wouldn't necessarily know it by the way they're covered. And, and, you know, fine, again, let me just spend too much time talking about Alabama today, but they've had one half of a good season. And they're really good. and, and, And to be fair, right now, the way they are playing, like outside of Baylor and Gonzaga, I mean, I think you can put them in that tier of like Michigan and a few other teams where it's like if things break right for them, they can make a really deep run in the tournament. But it is fascinating to me. And and this half season that they've had that's been so good, the way that they're being talked about compared to the way Auburn is being talked about after the last three years does not compare. And in every single SEC game that Auburn plays in, you're hearing about them. And that's the thing I don't get. And and they do this sometimes – they do this sometimes in football broadcasts. It's like, I know you're, it's not your main audience, but like Auburn fans don't want to hear about Alabama all the time. And they do it all the time in football. Now in basketball season. And again, like I said, Alabama. Like, they are a part of the narrative nationally now just because they're playing so if well. You so wanted, I'm not going to act like it's irrelevant no. to talk about a team that's playing some of the best basketball in the country. That's fine. Whatever. But it's disproportional. Yeah, and like my thing there is, my thing there is, is that Alabama, like I said it earlier this week, if you want to make Alabama the number three team in the country, do it. Like they're outside of Baylor and Gonzaga, I don't think there's a better team in college basketball playing right now than Alabama. I get that, but like you can't like there were people on Twitter were talking. I think I think Allie Davidson mentioned it at one point. There was there's an entire segment of the game, you know, an entire you know media timeout to media timeout where they like. Barely talked about what was happening on the floor. And Auburn was probably winning by 30 at that point. But, like, come on. You know, like, I, I it's 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 irritating. It doesn't help the product. It doesn't help. Like, we talk about how college basketball is not a great product right now on the whole. So, when you have an exciting team and you have a fan base that's, like, engaged in, it's like, hey, here's all the things that are happening besides what's going on on the floor. I mean, I can see how you can get really, really irritated by that. So, I feel for you, Auburn fans. Um, yeah, come, and, and I come join me. You... Come join me if you have the way to do it. Come join me in muting your television. Absolutely. Some people, some people like to sync up. Uh, you know, Andy and, and and Sonny's call to it. If you can do that, do that. Um, that's a Ken Senior move. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a that's a move he's that a big, lot. He's a big Homer broadcast guy, and I don't mean to call those guys Homers. I think, generally speaking, though, if you're listening to your university's yeah. yep. broadcast, mm-hmm. it's going to be focused on your team, and that's pleasant for a lot of people, understandably. And if you go back and watch the highlights from this game that that Auburn put out. Nobody was having more fun watching that basketball team yesterday than Sonny Smith. <laughs> yeah, that's also just delightful. Just and I delightful. think also I want to point out too, like the one thing you said there is like, how good are some of these people? How exceptional are their talents? And why is it that they're able to move within profession to profession, regardless of the results? It is just a curious, yeah, uh, curious situation, but. Anyway, Let's, listen to the Auburn broadcast because those two guys do have some fun. And that, that basketball game was sort of the um, what I think the culmination of what this team could be next season, but against even better competition. Yes. Because 100%. South Carolina, I mean, let's be honest. like That's a team that's struggling both 
in the way it's playing and just in the way their season has yeah. gone. But it's still significant to be that much better than an opponent of yours. And, and like on you the said, road. an opponent that you have not often yes. had that level of success against. On the road, yeah, for sure. Um, I told you yesterday, people forget Colonial Life Arena in South, in South Carolina is the 11th largest D1 arena. <laughs> like, it is a legit arena. Um like they like it's a it's a it's a big regular venue and um you know Auburn Auburn did a really good job there uh yesterday you said Painter like you know when the co- competition steps up moving ahead the competition steps up this week oh my god yeah i mean missouri and, it's easy to overlook missouri but then of course the obvious one so this week auburn plays uh missouri on tuesday night at home uh and then and then so it's a quick turnaround again for auburn um and then, then Saturday they go on the road to play Baylor, the number two team in America. We said it for a while. If they can just get through January um, without being in a really, really bad spot, you know, this team could be fine down the stretch. Uh, I, I think it's very obvious. If, you, if you're if you able to beat Missouri on Tuesday, huge. Um, your best win of the season, uh, if you can get it. If you can somehow be the one team to beat Baylor, uh, <laughs> wow! Like just, I mean, that would be that would be phenomenal. But you know, if you lose both of these games this week, you're not. I mean, again, we as we have said, wins and losses aren't really the you know the big problem this year for Auburn. Um, they this have an is opportunity. kind of lame of me, but like if they can just keep the Baylor game to single digits, yeah, and like keep it close where it's not obvious in the second half that Auburn's never going to be able to win the game. You know, just put yourself in a position to win. Yeah. It's been hard for a lot of teams to do that against Baylor. I would I would love to look up halfway through the second half and go, all right, in a weird world, Auburn could somehow pull this out. Missouri this season, this is a ranked Missouri team. Uh, they're coming off of beating Tennessee on the road last night. They're going to be pretty highly ranked. Um, you know, they lost to Tennessee by 20 earlier this year. They lost to Mississippi State by 15. So it's not impossible to beat them by any means. Um, but for Auburn in this game, you look at Missouri and you look at them in, the, in this matchup, this Missouri team is not a particularly great offense. Uh, they get to the free throw line more than any team in the SEC. They hit their two-point two point, uh, shots better than anybody in the SEC, so their effective field goal percentage is pretty high up. Not a particularly good outside shooting team, but they win with efficient, methodical offense and really good defense. So the number two defense in the SEC right now in efficiency, um, they just get it done. They don't for- force a lot of turnovers. They just make things really hard for you to score score on. We've seen Auburn, if they're taking care of the ball, they can they can score on anybody in the country, I think. Um, so it's going to be a really interesting matchup to see at home what they do. This Missouri team, like, not a particularly awesome rebounding team, This is, just, but they're just really good at half-court stuff. They, they run their sets – really really well um on, on both ends of the floor and so this is going to have to be a very you know methodical game for Auburn I think this will also be a game that Auburn will try to kind of speed Missouri up a little bit we saw them against South Carolina get some long rebounds get some blocks get some turnovers and immediately turn it into offense on the other end you you felt like that 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 create your own fast break kind of offense was something they need to do a little bit more of. I think if they can get it against Missouri and get some get some easier ones, get some cheap ones, so to speak, on the offensive end, that will help them out a ton. I think if – I mean, of course, Auburn coming off a game like this, we know what Sharif Cooper's capable of. We know what it's like if Jalen Williams and Alan Flanagan and, and several of these guys are clicking at the same time. This is going to be a really fun basketball game on Tuesday night, I think. It's going to be a really good one. I think it's a chance for Auburn to steal one. Yep. Um, and they've shot up in Ken Palm just a little bit over the last week or so. I think the addition of Sharif obviously starting to catch up with some of the numbers. I'm curious to see what you – I mean, we, we joke about the prediction thing, but, like, given Auburn's performance on the road now that they're back home, they, they I, I, I think Auburn is not – you know, they're going to be a few-point dog here, right? Do you think that they're going to win this game? I, I, I think they could. I think they could. I think it's going to come down to, like, we've seen this team. They're young and they're inconsistent. They will play lights out in one area in a game and the next game kind of go kind of fall back to, to some things. They kind of get hot and cold in some problem areas. So it's just kind of like how they show up. If they take care of the ball, they're going to have a really good chance to beat this Missouri team because offensively, I don't know if Missouri can keep up with you. If you're hitting your shots from deep, if you're taking care of the ball, that's where the thing's going to be an advantage. But if Auburn, like a lot of games they've played this season, get loose with the ball, 
um, have some defensive breakdowns. I mean, this is a team that scores well on the inside, so Auburn's going to have to be really, really tough in that aspect. Um, I think they're fully capable of beating them. I think it's going to be a really close game. I think it's going to be a good 40-minute game. And Auburn at home, Auburn with the better shooters, um, Auburn, you know, coming off of a game like this, I like their chances to win this game. But I also know that, like, Missouri could come in. I mean, look at the SEC. Kentucky Kentucky shot, you know, Nah, not supremely well, but like Kentucky shot pretty well for Kentucky this season and beat LSU yesterday. Like, there's a lot of these games like this where you will see. I mean, Mississippi State hung with Alabama for a long time yesterday. Missouri just beat Tennessee on the road after losing losing to 20 of them this year. So it's kind of like a random number generator in who's going to be who's going to do what this season. Um, I think outside of just Baylor and Gonzaga, you just don't really know what you're going to get in college basketball. So I like Auburn's chances in this game. I think I, it's a it's a true toss up to me. I think this is the closest thing to a toss up. Ken Palm's got uh, Missouri winning by one in this one. I'm sure yeah. the I'm sure the line's going to be somewhere in that neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I think if Auburn plays a clean game, they can win. But if they play a game like they've kind of played most of the season, tur- turning the ball over, Missouri will take advantage because they're very very efficient on both ends of the floor in that in their half court game. So for the entire SEC schedule to this point, this this uh, first uh, close to a first half at this point. Auburn has been playing Wednesday, Saturday. Now they're playing Tuesday, Saturday, which I, I kind of particularly enjoy. I like that. I like that aspect of, of things. Um, so that's a Tuesday night. They play against against Missouri. Saturday they play at Baylor, which is like you kind of feel like the it could be kind of like the Gonzaga game where it's like just don't get absolutely flattened. But if you do, it's fine. You're young, and they're the second best team in the country. Well, we talked about it when we looked ahead at the schedule throughout the year. Like, get to February, and you feel like things can start to, like, get... This Auburn team could really, really get on a run in February. Because in February, you play a Georgia team at home that you that you smacked on the road. Uh, you play Ole Miss at home, who that is a very hot and cold team. You can get some revenge. You have a point guard in that game, uh, which was, was the key. You go to Vanderbilt, which is the worst team in the SEC on the road. You go to Kentucky on the road, which is that. It's a winnable game. You play Mississippi State at home. And then that final four stretch you play, you go to LSU, you play Florida, you play Tennessee, and then you wrap up at Alabama. But that's a four, five, six-game stretch right there where Auburn can really, really get on a run. And there are these fringe teams in 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 the SEC, these bubble teams. They're going to ruin somebody's life down the stretch. In February, they are going to mess up somebody's season where it's going to be like, we need this win to stay in the hunt for the, for the NCAA tournament, and Auburn's going to come in and beat them by 20. And they're gonna be like, well, that's that's not good for the resume, and that's gonna be kind of the stuff Auburn's got to play for. So I'm really interested to see heel turn Auburn, full <laughs> spoiler Auburn um, down the stretch. They just got to get through this week because even if they don't beat Missouri, and Missouri's a very very good basketball team, they're a ranked team, and Baylor, I mean, beating beating Baylor will be it's not impossible, but it's it's it, it's going to be really really tough. Wins and losses don't matter as much. We talked about it on the last podcast about how Auburn fans are doing. I think a really good job of not buying in too much into wins and losses, but act the actual performance and the growth and the development they're seeing from the team, which has been a cool thing to see. But if you're wanting to see some wins start to pile up, get to February. Get to February. So this week's going to be a tough one for, for Auburn. Um, but, again, like we said, if they play offensively like they did in South Carolina, if everybody's clicking, everybody's eating, they can score with anybody. And if they bring that offensive show on the road to Baylor, they're going to scare the daylights out of that Scott Drew team. 100%. Davion Mitchell. Yeah. Go Davion. Again, that's another thing. It's like like some people like earlier in the year were like, what if we'd have had Davion Mitchell? It's like, Davion Mitchell didn't want to stay because he – Davion Mitchell wasn't playing behind Jared Harper. He <laughs> went ahead and left. Right? And it's like you had to get Javon McCormick who – wasn't expected to ever start, but Jared Harper left early. And, like, you know, guys need to go other places. And when they get there and they see maybe, you know, okay, well, timing-wise, it's just not a fit for me right now. I go somewhere else. So it'd be cool to see that. I mean, he's playing really well for them. And, like, that's a that's a really cool that's a really cool uh, thing to see. And, like, Auburn, it's going to be the big SEC Big 12 Challenge. It's always a big Saturday in college basketball every year. You're playing the best the Big 12's got to offer. I know this season, record-wise, because of Sharif and because the the NCAA stuff is not gone like a lot of people might have expected, but, like, you're going to get the market. Like, there's going to be a lot of eyeballs because Baylor's still undefeated. There's going to be a lot of eyeballs on that game. Um, 
So, I mean, you're going to be in a marquee, a marquee position, and it'll be fun to see what this team does with it. Any idea or any opinion about potential attrition on the front court when you look at Jabari coming in and what it is JT could potentially be and, like, the amount of minutes that are going to be available? Because those two guys will probably demand a ton of time. And speaking of point guard, obviously made it clear how I feel about Sharice's return. Hope Auburn gets him back next year. But it would be nice to have someone like uh, Javon McCormick who could mm-hmm. come in and yeah. spell Sharif. And, you know, there's going to be some measure of drop-off because of all the flowery things we just said about Sharif and how unusually talented he is. But, man, it would be nice to have a steady hand um, behind to play, him. And, to play. And this, you just got to convince somebody to come in and play six, yeah. to, eight, it's six to eight minutes a game. And exactly. like, that's a tough sell, but like you yeah. might be able to find it in junior college or something like that. Yeah. I, I, uh, but I, to the front court, uh, that's really more pressing, I guess. Do you think yeah, there's a potential I, there for some attrition? I mean, I, it'll be interesting to see where, you know, you've got three centers right now and trying to figure out a rotation there. Is it going to be one where you get – all three centers involved and right, rotate them out because um, Thor makes a lot of sense at the four, but then also I think Jabari Smith is the closest thing to a stretch four, like the the the, the ideal stretch four. So would just Thor move around to the five some? Do you? I mean, Jabari Smith's athletic enough to play the three if you need him to. Does that kick Allen Flanagan around? I mean, this team's going to be just super deep and super loaded, and so Bruce Pearl's going to have an interesting time dealing with the rotation. They're going to have. A lot of a good thing. I won't say too much because you can't ever have too much talent, but you're going to have a lot of a good thing, and it's going to be a challenge to kind of sort the things out because you look at this team. This team is down two scholarship players this season because Turbo left and you had a spot open. Guys like Javon Franklin and Chris Moore are only playing five, six, seven minutes a game, and they're playing really, really well in that time. That, like somebody's got to play that role next season, right? So, and, and and you're only bringing in the best player you've ever had, even better than Sharif Cooper as a recruit, and a guy in Trey Alexander who is an excellent shooting guard who just continues to just you know light up his, the competition in in high school. It's gonna be, it's gonna be. I won't, I don't even know if I'll say it a challenge, but it's it's gonna be one of those things where it's like it's gonna be a fascinating puzzle to put together. So I don't know, I really don't know because. Thor, like, Thor's upside is greater, but, like, if Thor's going to play the five, he's going to have to put more weight on probably, right? And does he need to play that? Because his future is probably that stretch kind of position. But it's like what we were saying earlier. Jalen Williams, like, just makes Auburn better. And Jalen Williams is a leader. And Jalen Williams is going to be one of your more, most experienced players, if not your most experienced player in terms of minutes, if he comes back next season. On the whole, in his uh, on the whole, in his career, so there's a lot to like about that. It's just, it's gonna be fascinating to see how all these things come together. But this is what you want: you collect talent, you develop talent, and you put it all together. Um, I'll be very curious to see what happens. I'll be very curious to see what happens, and if guys that are deep in the rotation, and I'm not gonna single out any particular one because I don't know. But if any of these guys who are a little bit lower in the rotation be like, okay, it was fun being here at Auburn for a year or two or whatever. Um, but you know, I have a chance to be a starter somewhere else and you go on from there and you do that and that's fine. But you know, that's what you do when you put together a roster like this and you're, and you're loading up on talent. Couldn't agree more. I am excited both for this season down the stretch and next year, hopefully Auburn will be a top five team and the broadcast can focus on them for, you know. (laughs) Like a few minutes at a time, anyway. A couple of minutes, you know, just, just, just to, just to make sure we all know that what's <laughs> happening, what's, what's going on out there. Um, so yeah, Auburn, Auburn, Missouri this week, and then Auburn Baylor later in the week. We will talk Auburn, Missouri, um, later this week. You know what? We might, we might push the podcast to Wednesday this week if, if we have, if we start having Tuesday basketball games. We might do that. Well, yeah, keep an eye on that. That'll work. Keep an eye on that. Um, that'll be the premium podcast. Uh, so really not talking a ton about football in this one. Um, I know what would some, you guys like us to talk about? I think being the main thing, right? Well, here's the, here's the thing. And this is, this is, uh, let me put on my salesman hat here. Uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of you might be listening to this. Who You just listen to the free podcast, uh, once a week, which we very much appreciate painter. If you're one of those people who, who listen to the podcast once a week, the, the free ones, what should they do? 
rate, review, and subscribe. Subscribing helps a lot. Downloads. If you download the podcast, that also helps us. So even if right now, because of a lot of situations, you know, going on in the world, if, if committing uh, to the premium episode is not something you're willing to do, you're just listening to this, rating, reviewing us, subscribing, making sure that the podcast is downloaded would be a tremendous help. Thank you guys for listening and telling your friends and your enemies alike. Absolutely. And 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 the thing there is if you don't listen to the premium podcast and you want some football talk, well, we talked a good bit about it. the first half of our podcast, our premium podcast on Thursday uh, last week went very, very in-depth on Brian Harson's uh, completed staff, some of the comments that he made in his press conference on Thursday. So if you're looking for some football talk, um, you know, because obviously a lot of Auburn fans always want to talk about football, and we normally always talk about football. Um, you know, you can get that with the premium podcast episodes from Thursday. If you listen to the first half of last Thursday's edition, it is, if you go to the website, uh, if you subscribe and you go to the website, it is uh, episode 42, Harson Around. <laughs> if you listen to the first half. One of my half- friends texted me and asked if you were from Lower Alabama when he read that title. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> you can uh, you can check that out there. About the first half of that podcast, we go in-depth a lot with some of these coaching hires and uh, and kind of the completed staff and some of what Brian Harson said. So if you're looking for that, subscribe. Check it out on the podcast, on the website. We'll give you all the tips to add it to your to your uh, podcast uh, app of choice, except for Spotify. Spotify, you're only free for us, um, which that's fine. But You've got a lot of stuff going on there at AuburnObserver.com, $6 a month or $60 a year. Got the mailbag last Friday. Observations from Auburn's big win against uh, South Carolina. I wrote nearly 3,000 words on that game because, hey, Auburn scored a lot of points. Um, and so I felt like I needed to write a lot of words about it. There's a lot there's a lot to take in there. Obviously, we just did an hour-long podcast about it. <laughs> and um, speaking of football, man, I mean, I had gotten sort of accustomed to what spring ball under Malzahn looked like, and it was – exciting in that you felt like you had turned over a new page and that you were getting into a new year and the potential was unknown, et cetera. But it is more exciting this year, given that everything is truly new. Yeah. I mean, it's it, again, like you said, it's going to be a fun off season. We've had a lot of stuff to write about. If you're into football um, and, and wanting some more stuff right now and you haven't subscribed and you want to check it out last week, I uh, did a story on Brian Harson and Mike Bobo's track record with quarterbacks and what that means for Bo Nix. I did a film room on the time that Brian Harson and Mike Bobo had a game where they combined for 111 points and uh, 1,200 yards. Um, a lot of stuff. Or, uh, this week, I've, I talked about it on the Thursday podcast. Um, this week, I'm going to be breaking down a couple of Auburn's new assistant coaches um, and kind of diving into their background and their track record and what they could kind of bring to Auburn. That first one will be up on Monday morning. We'll do another one later in the week. So you can check that out as well. We'll also have uh, the, uh, the the podcast, uh, like we said, the premium podcast in the middle of the week, mailbag on Friday, all that good stuff. So AuburnDeserver.com is where you can check out everything there. Painter, any final thoughts? I mean, the, I don't think there's any new stuff from football. We're going to try and encourage everybody who wants some more football talk to uh, listen to the premium podcast from last week if they haven't already. Uh, any final and thoughts? And also some stuff that you've written has been excellent. And uh, I know that you know, you're not going to bring that up, but some of that stuff is better to read about than to talk about. I think especially the numbers and, and some of the deep dive stuff that you get into. So if that's your kind of thing, whether it's looking at different game film, as Ferg mentioned from uh, past offensive experiences or what it is Mason is doing. Ferg explains that in pretty good, pretty good detail. I would check that out if you're interested. Other than that, my friend, I'm looking forward to this week of basketball. Going one and one here would be big. If you can get one against Missouri. I feel really good about this week. Oh yeah, if you can take if you can take one of these two games coming up, you are you are really set. Because like we said, that February stretch to start out has potential for Auburn to get on a little run right here. Um, this season, which is, you know, you got to play for stuff like that right now. Uh, we are recording this on early Sunday morning. Uh, That's right. The Buffalo Bills play later tonight. Ooh, 540, baby. Come on, get here. Get as, we've, here. as we've said on this podcast, I have been I have been Bills-pilled. We are all Buffalo <laughs> Bills fans. I'm going to be very honest with you, Painter. I'm going to be very honest with, uh, with the listeners. Nobody um, thinks that this team is beating Patrick Mahomes. I understand. It's not personal. Well, we can obviously tell that Mahomes might not be 100% in this one. That might have an, uh, have an effect on the on the game. Sure. I'll be very honest with you, Painter. Um, 
if Buffalo, if the Buffalo Bills makes it to the Super Bowl, I'm gonna be very, very excited. For all my friend, all my friends who are Bills fans, I have enjoyed watching this Bills team this year. I think it would be really cool and really neat to see that. However, I love Andy Reid with my whole heart. I think Patrick Mahomes might be the greatest quarterback who's ever lived by the time it's all said and done. It's a fun offense. It's a fun team. Be cool to see them back in the Super Bowl, have a chance again. So, as much as I want to see the Bills win, I won't be terribly, terribly disappointed to watch the Chiefs play in a Super Bowl. However, 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 however apologies. Apologies due to uh, Jamel <laughs> Dean and Carlton Davis, buddy. We need we need Aaron Rodgers in the pack to pull this one out. Um, I I don't know if I can stomach watching Tom. Big Brady Aaron Rodgers guy Bowl. this weekend. My, myself, uh, actually, generally speaking, an Aaron Rodgers guy. And I don't even hate Tom Brady the way a lot of people do. The, the, that'll get me into some hot water in my household. Nonetheless. This week, we are all Bills fans, and we are all Aaron Rodgers stands. Aaron Rodgers, plural. A Bills-Packers Super Bowl would be fun, because I, I don't know how my brain could handle that. Like, it'd be, it'd be a lot of fun, though. I'm, 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 all, I'm all for it. All right, we will talk to you guys later this week on the premium episodes if you're inside the inner circle. If not, we'll talk to you all uh, next week. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you subscribing for those that, that do. Appreciate uh, all the support, all the kind words, all the love. We will talk to y'all later. Adios. Go Bills. Go.